You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA, Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans beat the San Antonio Spurs, 140-126. to Pretty dominant victory after a rough first quarter, but then the Pelicans just turned it on and basically never looked back at that point. We're going to recap this win because it had some surprising performances, particularly one from Frank Jackson in this one, but this was just a very good overall team win then we're going to get away from stuff that happened on the court and instead speculate a little bit because that is far more fun we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler and the trade that could have gone down between the Pelicans and the Timberwolves they were in talks some of that's been reported and then now there's another team in disarray that sounds like they're willing to move or at least listen to offers for a number of their players the Washington Wizards I'll recap that situation for you guys fill you in on what's going on there and tell you what you should expect or look for or kind of hope for as the Pelicans maybe target and try and pick up some pieces from that team that really just completely needs to burn it down. So recapping and speculating in the, uh, what is it, Tuesday edition of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So before we recap the 140-126 win, if you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in and making the Locked on Pelicans podcast part of your day in what's been a pretty fun year for this Pelicans team overall. If you've been with me from any point in time before this, I appreciate you guys still sticking with the pod. There's some bad Pelicans times, but now we're in the good and it's a lot of fun. And tonight we get to recap a 140-126 win over the San Antonio Spurs, which is a bit surprising given that the Spurs had uh, were 7-7. Seven and seven. They won the night before against the Golden State Warriors. Golden State without Steph Curry is an entirely different team, though. And they've been kind of trending in a bit of a weird way, but it was a bounce-back win. But this was the game where the Pelicans finally had a rest advantage over an opponent. And being at home, that is certainly a good thing. So San Antonio playing on the second night of a back-to-back. And when, you, when they started this game, you would not have known it. They raced out to a 39-30 to first quarter lead as they were red hot from three. They think they were 10 of 14, at least going into halftime with that. And Dante Cunningham was on his revenge tour, by the way. The former Pelican put up 19 points on a perfect shooting night, seven for seven from the field, five of five from deep, grabbed seven rebounds as well as three assists, and was just annoying. I said on Twitter, Dante Cunningham revenge game is probably the most annoying phrase I think I've heard in a really long time. The only thing that might make it worse is the Solomon Hill revenge game. Though someone did say, well, at least that might mean he's not on the team. So maybe that is a good thing. And we got to kind of look glass half full with this. Then he was on fire. So were a number of the other players shooting from deep. Brian Forbes was five of six on the night for the Spurs. He finished with 20 in that starting point guard role for them. And they were just a nuisance and wouldn't go away. The Pelicans weren't playing good defense, just wide open three-pointers. After Alvin Gentry said they need to stop conceding open corner threes, they kind of clamped down on that in the third 
and fourth quarters as well as the second. And it was really the second quarter where this Pelicans team started to get their feet under them and really kind of took control of this game. If we said the Knicks game was a tale of two halves, where in the first half they were bad and the second half they were good, this was really just a tale of two quarters. Bad first half for the Pelicans, but then they got aggressive in the second. And Anthony Davis woke up, Drew Holiday became more aggressive and became a factor in the game, and he woke up, and they really led this team kind of to this victory. So, normal starting lineup on the night, Wesley Johnson, five points, hit a three, cool. Can't ask for much more than that from him. Anthony Davis in just 32 minutes on the night, 29 points, nine rebounds, four assists, almost getting to that five assist number. Didn't get to the line much uh, as he had been the past couple of games, but it's okay. He was your Western Conference Player of the Week, putting up 83 points in the past two games on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday combined. He was on a tear. And if you look at it, Nikola Vucevic for the Orlando Magic was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and Anthony Davis's numbers just completely dwarf him. It's funny to kind of see them put side to side. But he woke up and really took over the game. He was trying to get to 10,000 points, finished just six shy, so expect to see that in the game Wednesday against the Philadelphia 76ers. Nikola Mirotic, 13 points. He was three of four from deep. He didn't, there just weren't enough shot attempts for him in this one. As you saw big games from Julius Randle, Frank Jackson getting more shots off the bench than they normally would have. Kind of minimized Mirotic's role. But going three of four from deep, four of seven from the field overall, along with five rebounds in just under 30 minutes, a little over uh, 28 Pretty good, given, you know, all things considered, so not too bad. Each one more has been on an absolute tear, by the way, and this guy has become maybe the most solid and consistent player for the Pelicans. 24 points on the night, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, he was 2 of 3 from deep, 11 of 16 from the field. His points are not coming off the sharpshooting ability that he has. It's those off-ball cuts where Pete players are finding him. He can get into that kind of sweet mid-range spot that's his, pulls up, and can hit it. And that's what he's really good at. And now that he's really got some chemistry developing with Drew Holiday in that backcourt, I think it helps that he's playing the starting two-guard as opposed to the three. Now he's not having to work as hard defensively. He's kind of matched up with guys who can defend him a little bit worse than those threes who can kind of smother him. I think this is a big thing. Thing, and you're really seeing him kind of unlocked with Wesley Johnson in the starting lineup. Drew Holiday, after a kind of unmemorable first quarter, let's say, finished 8 of 13 on the night, 21 points. He was great defensively, too, in, until one play late in the second. We don't need to talk about that. He got completely burned, but it's okay. He was 2 of 4 from deep, 3 of 5 from the line, 9 assists. He's second in the league in assists per game right now, behind only Kyle Lowry of the Tor Toronto Raptors. Lowry was way ahead. Now, I think the difference is like one assist per game. So, Drew Holiday really creeping up in there. I was talking to a couple of people before the game. We made fun of the contract when he signed it. Now it looks like a bit of a steal. Your real hero maybe in this one was Julius Randle off the bench. 21 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists. He was 9 of 13 from the field. That's a triple-double off the bench in a shade over 25 minutes in this one. That is a good performance. He battled inside. Six of his 14 rebounds were offensive boards. You know, the Pelicans talked about maybe they're going after those a little too much and it's hurting them in transition D and getting back and that's been a problem. That's what Alvin Gentry said before the game. But him going after him is certainly a great thing. He kind of never gives up on a plane. He's able to grab those boards. Again, triple-double in just 25 minutes 
off the bench. That's pretty awesome. The kind of surprising star of this one was a guy who we hadn't been seeing get a ton of minutes recently, and that's Frank Jackson. 5 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from deep, finished with 12 points on the night. That dude is fast. We're going to talk about the Wizards. We're going to talk about John Wall and his ability to run in the fast break. And I don't know if there still is a quicker guard in the league than John Wall. Frank Jackson, though, put on the damn afterburners on a couple of back-to-back transition plays where he just sprinted out there, got the ball, put it on the ground, one, two dribble, scored at the rim, did that twice, showed off a nice three-point shot there. He can move. He's showing he's a bit of an NBA player again. He had that kind of decent-ish start to the year, then really faded away because he played poorly, and now maybe he's earning some of these minutes again, and I think you'll see him get a bigger bump up as the Pelicans hit the road for the next three games, and hopefully he can do it because you don't want to rely on Ian Clark. We've learned Tim Frazier just does not really fit and isn't very good. And so having a guy who can kind of fill those minutes has been a wonderful thing. Pelicans cut their turnovers down in this one. 10 total on the night, only six turnover points for the San Antonio Spurs. That's a big thing. Drew Holiday, though, weirdly had five of those. At one point, the Pelicans had five turnovers, and all five were Holiday's. 78 points in the paint when you have Julius Randle and Anthony Davis doing work down low. That's going to kind of be tough to stop. Alongside Drew Holiday getting in there, Frank Jackson getting in there to a good performance on the night. Just limited the damage. You know, the fast break and giving up points in transition off live ball turnovers at times a problem. And still, they don't get back, and they have some miscommunication, and that's probably the biggest issue with the defense right now. But when you limit your turnovers, you score inside like they wanted to do, and then the San Antonio Spurs at least chill out from three. Yeah, that's a good thing. They only made two threes in the second half, I believe, after just being red hot to start the game. So good overall, just consistent performance, things to improve upon, but no one's perfect here. We're not expecting him to be. So just a good, solid win for New Orleans on the night against a team they should have beaten at home. So before we have some fun speculating about some stuff with the Wizards and other things, you know, ever since I started this podcast, I get a lot of people asking me for advice. You know, how do you get into this? How do you start doing all of this? But a lot of the time, it's what team to bet on and who's going to win. And the truth is... I don't know. I know how to analyze a game. I know what's going on with the Pelicans, but I can't tell you what teams are going to cover the spread or beat the spread and all of that here when it comes to betting. But if you think you know, and frankly, my listeners know far more about sports betting than I do, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, you guys, they are the best bet you're going to make this season. They've been in business for years, have great online reviews, and their mobile site is super easy to use. You're not sitting down at your laptop analyzing things. You're at the game, you got a feeling, you hear something, you want to get on your phone, you want to bet, and you want to win, and this is the easiest way to do it. So lay down some cash and win big today. I'm only going to recommend a service to my listeners here that's been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business for all you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game so join now and my bookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars that's free money for you just use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to activate the offer Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, when creating your account to claim the bonus. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. 
So we know the Pelicans are hunting for another big name for this team. I think they're kind of looking for a home run swing. Recently, it's been, if you want to use a baseball analogy, which I, you know, it's basketball, so maybe this is kind of weird to do. Been hitting a lot of singles. You hit a pretty good one in Etuan Moore. You signed Julius Randle, who's been solid, but is maybe only going to be here for one year. You've added one or two key pieces, you know, Frank Jackson and the like. Those aren't anything that's going to necessarily sell Anthony Davis on re-signing. It's not anything that's going to kind of swing a title in your favor or maybe playoff odds either. They're just smart, solid moves, which you've got to do. Don't get me wrong. But the Pelicans clearly are so concerned about re-signing Anthony Davis, they're trying to make another big move a la DeMarcus Cousins to maybe sell him on being on this team a little bit longer. Yeah, it sounds like you should take the Supermax, but who really knows? And there's been a bit of an undercurrent in everything that he's been saying more recently that's like we just gotta win and I don't think it's just get into the first round or get into the second round it's like a deep playoff run Western Conference Finals or the finals kind of or bust here so the Pelicans are looking and they were in talks it sounded like really engaging with the Minnesota Timberwolves in talks on a package that centered around Etuan Moore and Nikola Mirotic the Wolves wanted Drew Holiday they said no and that basically ended that and it sounded like they weren't willing to give up a lot of future assets there was a lightly protected first round pick involved in that as well and the Wolves wanted and more and the Pelicans weren't willing to do it. I think the main reason when it comes to Jimmy Butler is because it's a rental potentially. You don't know if he's going to be there next year. If you get assurances from him that he will re-sign, you do that deal in a second, though I think there's other reasons why you might hesitate. You know, Tibbs minutes are Tibbs minutes, and that adds like five extra seasons to a player. He's had some knee issues, different things like that. But certainly they were really looking into trying to bring Jimmy Butler in here. It's a player who's available. It was a guy who filled a small forward need, getting some help on the wing like Jimmy Butler would have been a great fit, but they ultimately kind of walked away from that one, mainly because I think it is he was only going to potentially be a rental. Imagine if you trade for him, bring him in, and then he bolts somewhere else in free agency. All of a sudden, AD is looking at it being like, this guy didn't want to play with me or didn't want to play here with me and just left for a better situation. Why the hell would I resign? I think that is a very realistic thing you need to look at when it comes to Anthony Davis and adding a potential trade piece around him. You just don't want him to see someone else leave and be like, man, should I do that in a year? Particularly if that guy then goes on and has success next season. It's going to be a bad look overall for this team. And you've got to do everything you can to sell Anthony Davis. I was talking to people and I said, you know, while they're trying to win a title, I think, you know, this year and next year, the main uh, number one order of business is get AD and convince AD to take that super max deal. It's not to win a title. It's to sell them on that. Now, those two might go hand in hand, but you get what I'm trying to say. It's more about AD than anything else at this point. And then once he's signed and you're kind of no longer on the clock with him, cool. Now, how do we build a title winning team that he's kind of locked in there in place? And maybe the best way to do that is to get someone who's got longer years on his deal, maybe is a worse contract, and at least shows AD, hey, cool, this guy's here. When you resign, it's going to be you, him, and Holiday. That, I think, can be a very big selling point to him. So I think that's why you're going to hear a lot of chatter soon about the Pelicans and the Wizards and what guys they might kind of target from there. And this is also probably why they kind of walked away from that Jimmy Butler deal when maybe they should have explored it a little bit more. And right now, the Washington Wizards are a mess. I make fun of them all the time on Locked on NBA, and clearly with good reason. All of a sudden, it's being reported they had a disastrous practice where Coach Scott Brooks asked them to pick up their intensity, and John Wall looked over at him and yelled, fuck you. Now, he apologized and apologized to his teammates later, but I mean, still, not a very good look. 
During that same practice, Bradley Beal basically said to Ernie Grunfield, their GM, who's probably the worst GM in the league, and it's just been a disaster, and I don't know why he's still there, but hey, cool, because it means this is a mess, and maybe that's a good thing for the Pelicans here. Looked at him and said, man, I've been dealing with this for seven years, and it starts at the top. Yeah, it does. They've made kind of bad choice after bad choice with a number of free agent signings and trades. They really had no choice but to give Wall or Beal these type of contracts that they did. You're just not going to let those guys walk away. Wall's under a uh, bad-ish. I think he gets a bad rap. Beal's under a fine contract. You got um, Otto Porter Jr. who's on a big contract. But what are they, again, what are they supposed to do? So they're just all a mess. And they have 11 guys that are going to be free agents next year. And if you don't trade anyone, they still have $117 million committed against the cap. That is a disastrous number. You can't even bottom out and use your cap space at that point. And you've still got to try and figure out how to do it all. And now they're 5-11 and 11 and just sucking. And adding Dwight Howard into the mix wasn't going to fix anything. Um, Mike Prada of SB Nation said they were just trying to hit an inside straight, miss their outs, and that was that. And I think that's kind of all she wrote here. So they're a disaster. I mean, that's a that's horrible practice. That kind of situation is what eventually forced the Timberwolves to trade Jimmy Butler when they did rather than try and make it work or wait for a better offer. It just became intolerable, and you've got to wonder if the Wizards are going to hit that point sooner rather than later. So coming up in a second here, let's talk about some of the guys on their team quickly. We can dive into more of this later in the week. This was kind of the big news news of the day. That's why we're spending two segments on it because the Pelicans are going to be linked to this. I can guarantee you that. And it's something we need to cover. So let's touch on that coming right on up. But before we do that, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned here right now on Locked on Pelicans. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcast. And our demographic is 98% male and with more earning and more education than traditional media audiences. Rates are cheap, so it's easy to have your company sponsor Locked on Pelicans. Email me. It's LockedOnPels at gmail.com. That's LockedOnPels at gmail.com. So there's three guys on the Pelicans that are kind of the big money guys. We can talk more about them maybe later in the week, but these are the three guys to focus on at least to start with. The number one guy being Bradley Beal. We all know who he is. I had him number two behind Anthony Davis in their draft, and he ended up being pretty good overall. He's averaging 33.8 minutes per game this year and scoring 21.5 points per game. That's on 17.2 shots. He's a volume shooter. Uh, at least from deep, he takes almost eight three-point attempts per game. This season is making almost 34% of him. He's better than that for his career. He's just a good player. He's a traditional two at times, but he's got a lot of combo guard in him. And if you were to add him into the backcourt with Drew, it doesn't just make Holiday your primary point. It means Beal can split those duties too. They're fairly similar in that regard that they can both be combo guards that can both handle the playmaking and ball handling duties. This is the guy you try and go after first. He's also going to be probably the most expensive when it it comes to trade assets and different things like that. So I think that's kind of the big problem there for him. But it's the guy you at least got to kick the tires on to start the year. The other guy that you're really going to look at, which I think most people are going to naturally link the Pelicans with, is Otto Porter Jr., in 28 minutes per game this year. He's averaging just 10.6 points per game, but he's shooting 36.4% from deep. 
He doesn't take a ton of shots. He gives you rebounds, and he's also a two-way player. He can provide wing defense, and he can provide that scoring and shooting to space the court. Makes a good bit of money, but you could make it work too. He's not kind of that superstar name that a lot of people know. But this is a guy who's very good and should be fine and would fit very well on this team. Someone to play maybe that third or fourth role offensively, but at least, shit, you know, it's wing help. That's kind of the big thing. Last year, he averaged 14.7 points per game. He did that on 44% shooting from deep. He's a 40.2% career three-point shooter. He's good. You know, makes enough money that, yeah, he better be good for all of this. I'm pulling up his contract right now. I didn't have it in front of me. The internet's going slow. He's making $24 million this year, $25 million, 26 next year, 20, or sorry, 26 this year, 27 year after that. Then he's got a player option in 2020-2021. That's fine. They can kind of deal with that type of salary and to kind of get that player on the team would make a lot of sense. But there's a name that a lot of some people are going to be clamoring for, and it's probably going to be a polarizing figure on either you're really going to love him or you want no part of him, and that's John Wall. And I think this is the most intriguing name to me because, in theory, he might be the easiest to get because of his contract. John Wall was hurt last year, and that team did play a little bit better without him. But I think John Wall is kind of getting shit on unnecessarily here, and that's because of his contract. He signed. Uh, a Bird's extension already, four years, almost $170 million. Next year, he's going to make $37.8 million. Year after that, $40.8. Year after that, $43.8. Then he's got a player option for $46.8 million in the final year of his contract, plus a 15% trade kicker that's going to raise up that salary should they trade him. That's a bit of a disaster, and that final year is kind of scary. Almost $47 million for John Wall. But if that means Anthony Davis resigns and you're comfortable paying the luxury tax, there's no reason you shouldn't do it because it's the one guy you can get for the fewest assets that you would need to give up. This year, he's averaging almost 21 points on 17 shots per game. He's not the best three-point shooter, but he's shown some propensity to be able to do that. 7.9 assists. Uh, per game, you know, he's lightning fast. You saw Frank Jackson play in transition last night. This guy's just as good as, if not better, and can do it on a game-to-game night. And he, you, people kind of forget, because of how injured he's been kind of the past two years or so, and that they kind of went on that streak without him last year, where he only played 41 games, that he has been really, really good for his career. So it's an interesting name to kind of keep in mind with this, that you can have for cheap. You're going to pay him, and that won't be cheap. But I think this is the name that most people are like, oh, no, I want no part of that. But if this is the guy that gets Anthony Davis to re-sign, he's probably worth every damn penny, and maybe you can try and move him later or something like that. You know, we thought Blake Griffin was going to be untradeable. We thought a number of other guys were going to be untradeable, and they always have been. And maybe this is kind of the move that does it. And I think the Pelicans are going to kind of kick the tires on all of three of these guys. And don't so don't be surprised to kind of hear them linked with anything. So quickly, some other guys you're going to hear linked with this team. A lot of people love Tom, Tomas Sadoransky, but I'm not as enamored with him. He's never been kind of a high-minute guy. He played well in John Wall's absence last year. He's got very good size. You know, Sean Livingston, backup point guard, shooting guard, I think is pretty good. He's 6'7", so you can maybe play him on the wing a little bit. But I mean, this is a guy who's never played more than 22 and a half minutes per game. You're likely going to need to give up a lot to get him, to be honest, because he's kind of in demand. People love that size and he's pretty cheap. He's only making three million this year. That's good. 
and that's very tradable. And then he's a free agent after that, so you might lose him. You've got to be a little bit careful. Kelly Oubre is the other guy that a lot of people are going to like. Kind of does a lot of what uh, Otto Porter Jr. does, just not nearly as good as him. Kind of more of a 3 and D wing without with less of the three, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. But he's averaging 12.6 points per game this year. He's going to be a re- restricted free agent. Maybe if you can give up two seconds, you can kind of really make a play for him, but you probably need to give up some salary too. Well, you have to give up some salary with that. So I think that's kind of a big thing as well. Being a restricted free agent, that's kind of scary that you might lose him for nothing because there's more money out there. But there might be some kind of package of all of these guys too. So there's ways to potentially make this work. But it sounds like soon it may be open season on the Wizards players. And that means the Pelicans should be looking because there's ways to get things done. And there's a lot of different players, including John Wall, who I really think would fit on this team. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the win, the victory over the Spurs. Big victory over the Spurs. Big game from Frank Jackson as well. That's always fun. And enjoy the speculation. I have no doubt this is going to be rampant over the next couple of days. So hit me with your trades. Let me know uh, what you think about John Wall, um, Otto Porter Jr., or Bradley Beal. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.